everybody welcome back to another episode of can you dig it a podcast by the silver screen and roll network i'm your host as always jacob rude i promise you we have a co-host uh we're in the negotiation stage hopefully it's a little more successful than the lakers have had their uh trade negotiations all summer long but next week i I should have my co-host my new co-host uh on board with us we have a, a, a more than suitable uh, stand-in, though, uh, joining me today, Raj, man. We made it through the summer. Yes. We made it through uh, free agency. How are you feeling now that uh, a new season's about to start up? I'm excited, which I, I don't think is the prevailing thought for most people. Um, media day tomorrow, uh, as we're recording this, eight days until our first preseason game. I'm counting that down. I think most people see that as a threat when I start counting those down on Twitter, but uh, I'm doing well, man. How are you? Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's a uh, it's a weird vibe right now and that's we're going to talk about that because this is uh I don't know, this I I kept expecting uh eventually there was going to be a Russell Westbrook trade mm-hmm. and I wasn't really thinking about anything else uh Except for that. So in some ways, this kind of snuck up on me that I I wasn't ready for media day to start because in my mind, as long as Russell Westbrook was on this team, the season wasn't actually going to start with him being on the team. And that's that's what I want to talk about first, because if you rewind and I've referenced this a lot, we don't have to to fully dive into it. But if you rewind to exit interviews Mm -hmm. and the way Russ talked about the franchise, the coaching staff, even LeBron and AD, I would have bet a lot of money he was not going to play another game as a Laker. And that's still possible. There's eight days until yeah. the preseason. There's a um, couple weeks, three weeks until the regular season, actual games. But how surprised are you that we're seemingly going to go into media day with Russell Westbrook on this team? Yeah, I'm very surprised. I think we spoke on this podcast like right after Summer League, and uh, we were pretty confident uh, that he would be moved uh, around that time. Obviously, the rumors were uh, were the largest that they've been. We obviously had the Kyrie stuff. Uh, but now you kind of have the suitors knocked down one by one, right? The Bogdanovich trade with Utah, um, the Indiana GM. Look, GMs go out and lie all the time. But, I mean, you know, the GM came out and said Miles Turner is going to be the starting center. Miles Turner goes and retweets some Indiana Pacer pages um, and then tweets out the emojis of the color scheme of the Pacers uh, to kind of show um, that he's on board with that too. But yeah, I'm extremely surprised. They're going to have to, you know, go into tomorrow and kind of try to tell us that whatever happened in the summer didn't matter. It was obvious that Russ was all in these negotiations. They were trying to trade him. They were trying to keep picks. But I'm interested how they sell it uh, because obviously you talked about that uh, exit interview that's a tough listen. You even go back today, and sometimes I forget how um, how crazy the stuff that he said. Obviously, the part that he wasn't able to be himself, the lack of accountability, all that stuff. And now they're just going into the season like, yeah, none of that actually happened, and they have to try to tell that this is the actual roster that they um, intended to build, which makes very little sense when you look at it. <laughs> There's like six guards and two centers, very little wings that are that are playable. So I'm interested to see uh, how they how they sell the the roster tomorrow. 
Yeah, because it kept felt like they were making roster additions yeah. with the expectation of trading Russ. And you saw you trade for Pat Bev, you signed Dennis Schroeder. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah, this is all going to make sense once Russ is finally dealt out. <laughs> and then it hasn't happened. <laughs> and I didn't actually think the Lakers would slow play this and take it into the season potentially and wait. And I didn't really think they could afford to do that. Whether they can or can't doesn't seem to be the point because they're doing it. Uh-huh. Uh, and so, yeah, it is. It's wild just looking back throughout the summer of all the names that we felt like, oh, that's that's going to be a good or that's going to be the, the deal. The, mm-hmm. the Hornets were at the very beginning. Uh, talking about Gordon Hayward and the Pacers were there. The Pacers have been there all along. Mm-hmm. The Nets with Kyrie, the the Jazz with Bogdanovich and uh, the pieces around him. There, there was a not necessarily a new team, uh, a team that's kind of lurked in the shadows as well. The Spurs, who at one point were seen as the third team in a uh, Kyrie mm-hmm. Irving trade. And they've kind of been in the background, not really active, but uh, a team that has some potentially interesting pieces. Uh, Andy Larson of the Salt Lake Tribune, uh, this was last week, uh, reported that the Spurs are one of the teams that are still willing to take on Westbrook's contract uh, and they could uh, send back a trade package of something involving Doug McDermott, Josh, Josh McRobert. Oh no, <laughs> not Josh McRobert, Josh Richardson mm-hmm. and Jakob Hurdle. And my reaction to this was, Ooh, but I saw enough pushback on Twitter uh, and just general reaction to this trade that it, it caught me by surprise. What would your thoughts be on swapping out Russ for, What's definitely role players, but it seems like uh, quite a step down in terms of role players. Yeah, it's sad to think about that. I was uh, going deep into Kyrie Irving film and, you know, watching a bunch of Kyrie Irving tape. And now uh, you're telling me to go watch Jakob Pertl and Doug McBird. Yeah, they're like nice role players. I think like to me, Josh Richardson, like the idea of Josh Richardson is better than the actual player. Josh Richardson, I mean, the Dallas Mavericks, the Boston Celtics both um, moved him uh, without really thinking about it obviously the Mavericks I think got Seth Curry or something in the deal but uh but yeah like and Jakob Pertl I think he's a nice center we already have two centers on the roster that aren't named Anthony Davis I mean I like just from the fit perspective um Doug McDermott is actually signed for the following season for uh, around 13 million so I mean like I, I think the Lakers aren't going to take on money for that season although I disagree with the free agency plan but just from their perspective, I don't think they're going to take on money for a player that's not a star. Doug Murray is a nice role player. Um, yeah, I just it doesn't excite me, Jacob. Honestly, like I get it to move move on from Russell Westbrook, uh, uh, but I and I feel like we think we're in desperate times. I don't think the Lakers feel like we're in desperate times, so I don't see that happening. Especially if there's any pick con- uh, compensation. I just don't see it. And it doesn't excite me enough. I mean, does Doug McDermott, Jakob Proto really change your team makeup? that much uh and josh richardson as well would be a nice wing to add but um yeah it doesn't really excite me i would get it from just a straight salary perspective but yeah i don't see them taking on money right they, i don't think they're gonna take on money for the following season for for doug mcdermott 
Um, we had those conversations about Mike Conley as well, who has 13 million guaranteed, very similar kind of situation. Uh, I just, I don't see it. And he's 30, he's going to be 32 next year. I just, I don't really see that happening. Yeah. I mean, the Lakers don't seem too interested in taking back long-term money. That was, I don't know necessarily that there's been anything come out since LeBron signed his extension. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't really know why they'd be, why they wouldn't. They don't have enough room for a max salary, even if uh, everybody, like if they don't have any more money on the books other than what they have now, I, I don't believe it's enough for a 30% max. So I, I don't know why they wouldn't want to take back long-term money, but um yeah, the the other two Richardson and Pirtle aren't expiring, but um, Doug McDermott is through next season. I just I don't love any of this personally. Um, and Pirtle is a good defensive center who cannot shoot free throws to save his life. And um, as you said, we have two centers already, so I feel like if you're trading for a center, there should be something it should be a a clear step up over uh, who they already have. And I don't know that he necessarily is. Mm -hmm. Uh, He can do something different than what the other two can, but it doesn't really help having three different centers on the roster. Uh, I'm with you with Josh Richardson as well. Just kind of the idea of him is great, but uh, he's been shipped off place to place for a reason. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then Doug McDermott, he can shoot. I I don't even know that you can play him in big games or certainly not playoff games, and that is a big contract on the books for next season. So I was pretty far out on this deal. I think there's probably a reason. There's been zero momentum uh, when it comes to any kind of trade with the Spurs because none of these are uh, all that appealing. Josh Richardson is someone the Lakers – kind of flirted with the idea of trading for at the trade deadline mm-hmm. um, last season, but that's it. And I don't, I think the Lakers were only offering a couple second round picks in that. So uh, it'd be a far cry to, to go from that to shipping Russ and uh, potentially first round picks with that as well. So yeah, the, the end result is that we head in today with, with Russ on the roster for how long? Who knows? Um, yeah. He may. It, it feels like a, a situation where at any point he could be traded. Um, if the right situation arises, if the two sides, uh, the Lakers and Pacers, uh, that's going to loom until Russ is dealt uh, that trade. Yeah. And until the two sides potentially agree upon something, this is just going to loom. How much do you think this is? going to impact the team just kind of having this situation kind of looming over it yeah i mean it's what's going to dominate media day right and that's kind of the reason we all thought that russ would be moved because they don't want to deal with that and i guess they're gonna go into the you know flames you know head on uh i guess i would you know i would still do the the indiana deal if it was available but they're gonna go in and try to sell this uh, russell westbrook experiment and jacob i guess the gamble to me i guess uh, let me ask you this are they in a better position? Let's say they start out and they look competitive with Russ. Does that help any of the negotiations with any of these other teams? I'm thinking that's a gamble they are taking, and I think it's a huge risk, honestly, because if they look terrible, and then I've seen the um, send Russ home, stuff like that. 
they could do that, but then I think it looks even worse, right? Because then obviously you're in extreme desperation. Russ is expiring at the end of the year. You get nothing for the Russ trade that you made uh, a season ago. So is that like a gamble you think they're taking? Are they in a better position if if that happens? Because um, I think that's their mindset with this. And uh, I would have lo- loved if they would have just went and did one of these deals. But they obviously think that they can be at least competitive enough um, to, I guess, walk back to negotiations later uh, during the season. Um, mm-hmm. And you better hope that, like, Indiana doesn't start, you know, well, or, like, any of these teams that you're hoping to trade with, uh, because obviously those teams aren't going to want to mess w- with what they're going. So, um, yeah, it's a huge risk to me, but I think that's the gamble that they're, you know, rolling the dice on. Uh, yeah, and that's what I was going to say, that whether I whether or not I think it's a smart move, <laughs> We're past that. <laughs> We're here. Mm-hmm. Uh, that seems to be the move they're making. Um, it is a huge gamble because if they do come out, they start well. Uh, I mean, we haven't even touched on what role Russ is going to play. We'll have a, a week to talk on that. But yeah. uh, if they start well, then, yeah, the the pressure is lifted from the Lakers that uh, the the – the need to ship off Russ right away isn't there as much. Um, and maybe that helps them in negotiations. Whereas the inverse is true. If they come out and they start two and five or two and six or something, uh, and they're really struggling and Russ isn't playing well, that pressure is intensified to all time levels. And so, yeah, this is a huge gamble the Lakers are making. And, but <clears throat> it's, I mean, it's a gamble that they knew they were going to make if they got to this point. And to them, it was better making this gamble than including a couple first round picks in some of these trades, which I don't know that I agree with, but I'm not running the Lakers. So uh, it doesn't necessarily matter there. It's what Rob Polinka felt. And mm-hmm. Rob Polinka felt that this was the right move to make. We'll see. But, um, I mean, when we were talking about this show, and we've kind of alluded to it uh, as well, Rob Polinka is going to have some explaining to do based on uh, everything that's been out, all the rumors. Um, he's already a, a fascinating person to listen Very to during so. his uh, press conferences. What are you expecting? How many scriptures or prophecies <laughs> or proverbs, I mean, are, are you going to expect from him today? Yeah, well, really quickly, you said um, they can't start like two and five or something like that, right? I think you said they can't start slow. I was talking about this with Sabrina. Have you looked at our opening schedule yet? It's not great. So it's Warriors, Clippers, Blazers, Nuggets, Wolves, Nuggets. Like that's an that's an extreme start. Um, so they have no, there's no like ramp up. You know, it's it's straight into the fire. So I think it's going to be tough to have a really good start. But yeah. Palinka's going to have to sell this roster. That's his job as a GM to sell the vision. And I, I thought, you know, I was really looking forward to him speaking. I think last Wednesday was it when it was planned. Um, yeah. And they obviously moved that forward. Uh, him and Darvin Ham were scheduled to speak and then decided to uh, just speak on media day. But I'm extremely interested in, uh, I don't think I or most people want to hear that they're not done yet. Like preseason starts in a week um, from tomorrow. So like, there's no, I'm not done yet. This is the roster that you've chosen to walk, you know, to walk in with. Most like moves that happen at the trade deadline or the buyout, uh, buyout market aren't, you know, team altering moves uh, for the most part. So this is kind of the makeup of your team 
I guess they have a week to still make moves and stuff like that. But yeah, I'm really interested in how he sells this roster along with Darvin Ham, who I think I've heard from enough. I think I've heard him sell Russell Westbrook, which I was hoping would just be kind of in theory, um, but it's actually going to uh, play out in real games. Uh, but yeah, because Rob Flinka, I think, spoke a couple months ago and said they weren't finished. Uh, he looked at the roster and understood that like he can't sell this roster um, to the fans at that time. And the only thing that's really tra- changed has been Patrick Beverly um, for Taylor Horton Tucker, which I don't think is enough. So yeah, I'm really interested in uh, the the quotes and book book quotes that he gives out uh, tomorrow. Yeah, he's going to have to pull some wild proverbs out for this one because, yeah, as you said, he kind of said it himself or alluded to it himself mm-hmm. that this this team was not done. And that's how I've been kind of approaching looking at this team, that it, it wasn't finished, it wasn't finished. And here we are, and I still don't think it's finished, but we don't have a choice. Like, we're here. Uh, again, You they could potentially make a trade before they actually play even a preseason game, but... The fact we got to this point isn't great. Um, the, I always kind of set a in my head a deadline of media day as when they need to have a rust deal done because I, I mean, again, I know this is back to a point I made, but I just could not envision Russ coming back into the facility for preseason or anything like that, and I was wrong. Uh, I guess time heals some wounds, and mm-hmm. they were able to. Uh, mend fences enough from how the season ended to get back to this point but it it is wild that it still feels like we have a, a wholly incomplete team as we head into uh training camp in, in the preseason because as you said that's that's not how things typically work you don't typically make big trades in season to finish making your team uh, not to the level that the Lakers are looking to do it, at least. You can tinker with some role players and yeah. picks and whatnot, but what the Lakers are doing are taking one of the biggest uh, contracts on the roster and trying to flip them for multiple viable role players, and that's not normal. Uh, so it, it just has the Lakers in such a awkward position right now because – as you said, this is going to be what everyone's going to be talking about tomorrow. You can't dodge the questions. Um, yeah. Everybody's going to try, but uh, you can't dodge these questions. You're going to have to meet them head on. And no matter how head on they even meet them tomorrow, it's not going to make the story go away. Uh, everybody can answer them as truthfully and honestly as they can tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And yet that's still going to be the prevailing story. The, the, just because they answer the questions doesn't mean everybody's done talking about it because uh, between now and either the February trade deadline or whenever he's dealt, that's going to be every bad loss is going to be, well, does this move the Lakers closer to trading Russ? And every good win's going to be like, ah, well, see, they didn't need to trade Russ. They were fine. And that's just what's going to be the reaction for the opening, however long uh, of the season until he's dealt. So, it's an awkward position for everyone, uh, and again, it's Rob Palenka that's going to have to explain what the Lakers' thinking has been and why they haven't moved him because um, there's a lot of Lakers fans who aren't going to who are are going to want to hear why Russ is still on their team and 
why they didn't want to include multiple first round picks to to ship them off to Indiana or Utah or wherever it may be. Um, he's going to have some explaining to do. Darvin Ham is kind of mixed in with all this. Yeah, I want to talk about him and his first media day, and boy, he's thrown into the fire on this one here in just a moment. So kind of lost in all this is in a normal scenario yeah. with a normal team and a normal franchise, we'd be really excited to hear about Darvin Ham for, during his first media day. Uh, we are 20 minutes into this podcast before really even mentioning Darvin Ham. You mentioned him once, yeah. but uh, as you said, everything he said during his introduction, uh, during his media tour over the summer about Russ felt like nice words to say to try to um, convince other teams that mm-hmm. uh, the Lakers were really serious about doing this. And that's kind of how I took it. Like, oh, well, that's nice, but it's not really going to happen. It's really happening. So knowing what we've heard Darvin Ham say and knowing what we'll probably hear him repeat because he's been on a media tour all summer. Yeah. I don't imagine he has too many new quotes. <laughs> How convinced are you that Russ can actually play the role that he that Darvin Ham wants him to play? Yeah, it's it's interesting. So you said your kind of deadline was media day. My deadline was kind of LeBron's mini camp. Um and I think that yeah. kind of goes into right what we're about to get into. And especially with a first time head coach, you want his like team to be kind of the team, you know, during training camp. Coaches like especially when they're signed late, they always say, Oh, we didn't have a full training camp, right? That's an excuse that you are a reason you kind of hear a lot of coaches give. So a rust trade would be a huge kind of uh, makeup of this team. Like it would change the uh, the makeup of the team. So I was I was hoping he would get his real team around this time. But um, yeah, Darvin Ham has preached you know these one four principles. He's preached um, accountability with Russ on the defensive end. I think these are all things that we need to see to believe them. I mean, there's no real large track record of you know Russ you know being a being locked in on defense for a lot for a large amount of time and. You know, the, the we have a lot of guards, and that's a bad thing. But I guess the one good thing is that Darvin Ham can hold him accountable, right? There are places where if he's not defending, he can play a Dennis Schroeder, a Patrick Beverly, a Lonnie Walker, and Austin Reeves, um, all these guards that he can kind of fill in for. And I'm going to take Darvin Ham at his word. You know, he said that um, he's going to hold Russ accountable on that end, and I'm going to hold him to that. We'll we'll see if how, how that comes. Um, and again, the 1-4 principles, that's all great. Um, said he wants to, you know, have Russ have transition principles that you know kind of can help the team. Got to defend for all those things to work, and uh, I'm interested to see it. I'm not optimistic about it. Um, I'm kind of hoping that you know LeBron and AD are good enough to kind of carry a team that's going to be, um, especially aside from those two, uh, really on the other side of the talent level of most of the teams um, they play, especially on the higher end of the Western Conference, um, which is kind of our beginning schedule. So. Yeah, um, you know, I, I hope that you know if Russ can work, that'd be great. I think it gives them more room and more options. Uh, but that's like we talked earlier; it's a huge gamble. And Darvin Ham has kind of played the company line. He said, you know, Russ is gonna play; he's gonna get his chance. He's obviously going to start. Uh, I've seen some Russ may come off the bench. I don't see that happening. I think Darvin Ham has said way too much to go on and then take Russ off the bench. So, uh, but I'm interested. I, I want to see it. Uh, I think most people aren't really excited to see it, but uh, I want to see it. We got 21 games last year of it. 
uh, and uh, hopefully we, you know, get a better kind of outcome from it this season. Yeah, it's similar to how we were talking about Josh Richardson. The idea of what Darvin Ham wants yeah. is great. Um, I don't believe that Russ is going to buy into it because this is year whatever for him. <laughs> and he's had coaches all along tell him you need to focus more on defense and learning to play off the ball. Be a screener. Uh, whether, mm-hmm. Yeah, whether it was with Durant, whether it was with Harden, whatever it was, whether it's with LeBron now, that's been the the recurring message, and it's never gotten through. There was like a brief moment in Houston for like three months before the pandemic where he did it, and then he came back in the bubble and didn't really do it. And so, like, I I don't have a lot of faith in that. I'd love for it to work because a lot of the ideas that Darvin Ham has, especially about Russ, make sense. I guess one of the good things that I didn't think a lot about you mentioned with the seven billion guards the Lakers have, in theory, you can just bench Russ if he's not doing what you want him to do. Right. That is... <laughs> Uh, gonna take a lot of um, cojones to say from Darvin Ham coming in right away and benching your potential starting point guard uh, if you don't think he's following the game plan. But I don't know. Maybe having someone that seems to be able to relate to players more than Frank Vogel certainly could uh, will help uh, try to get Russ to change how he plays. Um, there's been things sprinkled throughout the off season that are encouraging. They, they've talked about wanting to put Russ in the corner more and his corner three point percentage was actually really good last season and has been really good the last couple of seasons. Yeah. Um, just doesn't take them. And mm-hmm. so, yeah. And, and so, I mean, there are ways where you can put him into positions to succeed. It's just whether he's willing to do that, and I don't know that he is, and I. this is just a, a mess of a situation for, like you said, Darvin Ham coming in, first-year coach. Ideally, you have the team you have in front of you heading into training camp. This is I would be stunned if this is the team he finishes the season with, and if it is, they're not finishing the season in the play-in or playoff, I don't think. Uh, it would take a Herculean effort from LeBron and AD to get to that point. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is a tough spot for Tarvin Ham. And uh, so in a lot of ways, I'm interested to see what his thoughts are uh, this uh, on media day today. And just, I mean, I don't suspect he's going to change much from what he said over the summer, but it's just a really interesting spot. You put your first year head coach in where you just kind of have this player, this deal looming that's going to drastically alter the makeup of your team. But it's going to happen just at some point during the season. We don't really know when. It's just kind of a uh, a brutal spot to put a first year head coach in. But when have the Lakers ever been accommodating to their head coach? They certainly haven't been that for the last um yeah. Three years, however long Frank Vogel was there. So, well, I don't know. Well, it's Ham, be- Ham does have a four-year deal, right? So I think that's that. Yeah. That's a that's a huge deal. 
So if you remember last media day, they really sold this as like a big three, right? Like that was kind of the sell. Mm-hmm. Palinka sold it as that, right? And he was like, yeah, we have a star. We brought a star to Los Angeles to add to the other two stars. That's how it was sold. I think how they sell it tomorrow is extremely important because it goes back to the benching Russ. Can you? And I think if Russ is not sold tomorrow as part of the big three, which I don't think he will be, um, again, Darvin Ham having the 4 year deal, having – and I think, you know, Ham is a guy I believe is going to coach his way. I think he's going to do things the way um, that he wants to, right? Uh, it's been a long time for him, his first time uh, being a head coach. And I think he has the kind of authority to kind of do that. So to me, I think tomorrow how they sell it is extremely important. Um, how they, you know, speak about Russ and say, like, uh, it's going to be different to me than last year, right? Last year it was sold as these three stars coming together to win. Uh, I don't think it'll be sold as that tomorrow. And I think that goes back to like your point of being able to, you know, have other guards come in. Can you bench him? Can you keep him accountable uh, for doing things? Like, I don't think Russ, again, I don't think Russ is going to become Draymond Green. Like, that's just, that's not happening. He's not going to become some guy who just does a bunch of dribble handoffs and go set screens all over the floor. Like, it's just not in his game. Um, there's like a fine line you got to walk, right? Because if you have Russ off the ball so much, and he's just not effective at all. Like there's like he's becomes just an ineffective player. There's like a fine line, like how many ball screens do you give him? How many, you know, possessions do you give him where he has the ball and he can attack in space? Um, and doing that with LeBron on the floor. How do you stagger them? So that's all Darvin Ham's uh problems that we were hoping he wouldn't have to deal with. But um <laughs> he's kind of uh said the same things all summer on his uh, like you said, media tour, and now he's gonna have to put those into um into reality. Yeah, it is an interesting point. Him having a four-year deal will empower him in some ways Mm -hmm. uh, because the Lakers aren't going to fire him right away, uh, basically, to to put it bluntly. So um, that'll make it more interesting and maybe more plausible that that he may bench us, uh, but... It's a such a weird situation. It, it yeah. it's I mean to your point about how they sell this um if you look back to last season and the biggest takeaway from media day last season was how AD was going to be the center. How he was mm-hmm. down to play center and how uh he said it and almost immediately it felt like everybody walked it back. It said it felt like he said something and then realize, oh crap! I wasn't supposed to say that because it was him saying, "Yeah, I'm. I bulked up. I'm ready to play more center." And then it was him and Frank Vogel walking all of that back about whether he was going to play center or not. But still, the biggest takeaway coming out of media day was AD is going to play center, and that didn't happen. So to a certain extent, even whatever they say at media day today, uh. How much are they even going to be able? How much are you going to be able to believe that, considering what we've seen in media days past? Yeah, it's tough. So again, last year, and I don't know if we can believe them or not. But if you remember the starting lineup that kind of came out, right? That was kind of being uh, sprinkled out, I believe, yeah. by Shams and Yovan and others. Um, it was Russ, I believe it was Wayne Ellington, uh, LeBron, Trevor Ariza in AD. So Trevor Ariza was supposedly the link piece, right? He was the <laughs> <laughs> I know, but uh, he was uh, he was the you know mythological um, perfect power forward to put next to Anthony Davis, and that was supposedly the reason why you know DeAndre Jordan ended up starting twenty games, and then Dwight Howard started after him. And obviously, we got very little of AD at the five because he missed forty two games, and the games he played 
lot of them didn't coincide with LeBron anyway. So anyway, but uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm interested, you know, how they sell tomorrow. I, I think AD's probably not going to get as many center questions considering we have two others on the roster. Um, but yeah, I'm, again, that it's their job to kind of sell this team. And I want to hear how they um, believe uh, it to go. I mean, the stuff we've been, that's been coming out. I mean, the Austin Reeves at small forward, like stuff like that is just, you know, really concerns me of uh, how they're yeah. how they're looking at this roster. And to me, there's just there's just no way they went into this offseason and signed a bunch of six one guards and hope they play up a position. Like that there's no way that's the story. So I need to hear how they um, feel like this is gonna go. Again, JTA is like one of the wings that's gonna have to be important uh, on this team. Like he's one of the tall uh, taller wings that are on the team and he's like six six, so like I'm, I'm fascinated. Like where they go with this, Cole Swire might need to play because he's actually tall and can shoot. Like so, like I'm, I'm very interested uh, how they, how they sell this um, to the fan base tomorrow, and we'll, we'll get to see it. What is your mythological starting five <laughs> the day before uh, uh, media day starts? What is your starting five if you could pick right now so i i would go russ um patrick beverly lebron ad and thomas bryant if he's healthy like that would be my starting five it's still a small backcourt it's gonna be a lot of pressure on patrick beverly to like i said we open with the warriors to start on seth then we go to the clippers paul george Kawhi send help um and then uh <laughs> so uh but yeah that would mean my current starting five i think patrick beverly is like the if you're gonna build a player like that you would want next to stars i think he's the type you would wish he was a little taller but i mean you, you won't get patrick beverly if he was like six seven he wouldn't be on your team so um but yeah that would be my current starting five and hopefully your bench kind of contributes enough uh to keep us afloat until they eventually decide to go in with an all-in move right they obviously didn't feel like this team was one all-in move away which i think is the wrong path when lebron turns 38 or 39 next year i think that's like they're really going into year 21 jacob say that out loud lebron's going to year 21 next season like he's unbelievable yeah and that somehow that has been buried we haven't even really talked about lebron heading into to this season which uh is a shame we'll have plenty of time to do that i I don't know that they can start Russ, man. I don't know that they will. I don't I don't think they should. Uh like ideally my starting five would be the four you mentioned, but probably swap out Russ for maybe Austin Reeves. Okay. Um and maybe have LeBron play a little play more as like a point guard, similar to what he did in the, the title season. Um but I don't know. It, it's just there's a there's other ways you could do it. You could potentially start Dennis Schroeder, uh, like which hmm. is yeah, which is wild considering he wasn't on a team <laughs> two weeks ago. Um, and maybe Kendrick Nunn if you want some more shooting. Um, there are some things you can do there. There's just I it, it's it's a bit of a mess right now. Is this? to kind of finish this up this mm-hmm. is a point you started to make before we recorded and i told you to stop because i wanted to talk about it on the show is this the least excited uh you think the fan base has been for a season uh in like recent memory at least 
Very much so. Very much so. I was telling you before, like, I've been counting down and people just, you know, get upset at it. Or even if you mention the Lakers at all in terms of trying to win or, or any of those kind of uh, those those words, they people get really upset. Even like the terrible years, you know, we had like the summer league momentum where there were young guys you wanted to see play. Brandon Ingram, Kyle Kuzma, Alonzo Ball, Josh Hart, guys like that, that people were at least excited. Um, this was a team that still employs LeBron James and Anthony Davis. And and still, I just, the Russell Westbrook factor um, has just really killed a lot of not just optimism, just like any kind of excitement to even enjoy basketball. Um, so uh, it's it's very, I understand it. I, I totally get it. Uh, I think when people see the product on the floor, they'll come back and buy in again. Um, if they're, you know, if there was, if they're competitive, obviously last year, I think was such a stain um people who watched every game i think uh, a lot of people stopped at some point but uh, i think <laughs> i think uh, the people that watched every game it was uh it was a stain to watch it wasn't fun uh, it wasn't enjoyable um there's a lot of bad basketball um a lot of it russ played 80 games last year so he was kind of in the thick of every single one of that uh but i think that's kind of what uh, has people down. They were told all summer that they were in these negotiations, they were in these trades, in these deals. They're expecting players to come back, role players, stars, what have you, and to just really do nothing other than you know move Taylor Horn Tucker for Patrick Beverly and then just sign a whole other bunch of guards. Um, so that I think that's just really killed the excitement this season. I'm hoping you know a few wins here and there, and I keep saying we're not gonna have to take long to learn about this team like this start is extremely extremely rough which is why i think preseason is important i would like some kind of tone set the first day like a a seriousness um set in that in on the first day i was i was at last year's first preseason game jacob the vibe in that was uh first of all i we got blown out i believe by a nets team that sat kd harden and uh who was the other guy? Kyrie, who sat, who sat all three of those guys, and I believe the Nets still kind of blew us out. Kendrick Nunn did play in that game, which is a strange kind of a uh, strange. You've moment. seen Haley's comment. <laughs> Haley, uh, the that the singer, right? Yeah, <laughs> go, go ahead. Uh, but uh, uh, what's it called? Yeah, so I'm hoping for a, a better better tone set in the first preseason game, um, and hopefully, you know, they start. Uh, a week from tomorrow, <clears throat> but well, it's it's going to be interesting. I I I hope the excitement comes back at some point. It's just I I understand why fans I guess feel that way right now. I started to laugh whenever you even referenced last preseason because of just how unserious the, the Lakers were during it. I, I'm looking back at that game you mentioned. The Lakers lost by 26 points to that Nets team that did not play anybody. <laughs> uh, AD was the only. Lakers starter that or actual big three I guess it played the vibes from last year's preseason were awful and the Lakers just kept saying it's fine we're gonna figure it out it's fine these games don't matter it's fine do not take that approach this season I it doesn't even have to result in wins there was just at no point during the preseason last year where it felt fine no and it very much was an omen for how the season was gonna go um, I don't necessarily care about the result. I care about the process and the process was awful last season. I understand LeBron AD aren't going to want to play a ton in the preseason, but 
I think it probably has to be more than last year. And I think just have better vibes. <laughs> like I know that's an impossible thing to measure, but like it just felt so bad last year watching that team play. And you're, there was just kind of this looming feeling of like, Oh man, is this team actually really bad? Yeah, they were. The team was actually really bad. We just didn't fully realize it at the time. Um, gosh, just have a better preseason. This is not a great start uh, to having a better preseason than last year as we head into, I, I was trying to look it up the last time I might've been this, like not excited about a preseason, mm-hmm. maybe the 2013, 14 Lakers where uh, we knew Kobe wasn't going to be playing to start. Cause he was coming off that at torn Achilles. Yeah. Um, Dwight had just left and you had just kind of this mix and match of Laker role players with Mike D'Antoni. They went 27 and 55 this year, probably not a great team to compare yourself to when you have LeBron and AD and title aspirations. And so I, this team just has such a weird honestly weird vibes to it which again is the opposite of what you want coming off last season it's just such a a weird start to the season uh unofficially i guess tomorrow is there anything else you're looking forward to on media day uh not i mean i think you know mostly i want to hear the gm speak i want to hear you know ad and lebron kind of sell how they feel and how they heard uh felt the team looked at uh at mini camp and all that at lebron's mini camp and stuff like that um so I mean, media day is supposed to be, you know, a fun, you know, day. It's supposed to be the day where, like, every fan base believes, you know, their team has a chance to do something, at least maybe if it's not win a title, make the playoffs. You know, every team kind of preaches the same thing. They want to play faster, right? Like, that's stuff that you kind of hear. Um, and we're going to go into it kind of with a, uh, where we're just kind of questioning the GM on his decisions. Like, you should kind of know the roster by now it's kind of disappointing um that that's how we're not going to go into it when media day is supposed to be hyping the team up uh for its you know preseason games and uh like you know you said lebron and ad have to play at least play the first halves right like if you remember the the first year when uh ad first arrived um lebron and ad both played i believe it was in golden state um they this is a warning (laughs) they just yeah and they destroyed the they destroyed the warriors obviously a different warriors team uh but uh but but still you know uh steph still played the night draymond i believe played the night um so yeah like i would like a little bit better of a tone uh said i think that tone obviously starts tomorrow um but i think it starts a week from tomorrow it starts when the games uh actually start um, and I think this preseason, I keep preaching, is important. We don't have a ramp-up time. Like, this beginning of the season is rough. You don't get to start in, like, Charlotte and go to, like, Washington. It's like, boom, Minnesota, the Clippers, Warriors, all teams that have extremely high aspirations um, and who've kind of been waiting for the season. The Clippers get Kawhi back. The Nuggets get Jamal Murray back. We get those two teams three times. Like, it's it's a really rough schedule, so... Hopefully, you know, Darvin Ham can kind of figure this <laughs> figure this roster out that he's got. You mentioned uh, a phrase there. Who is your odds-on bet, odds-on pick to say that they're in the best shape of their life tomorrow? Ooh, that's, that's interesting. Best shape of their life. Hmm. Patrick Beverly, I think he would say something like that. I think I've already heard him say something like uh, – 
Someone asked him. He probably always <laughs> thinks he's in the best shape of his life. I think someone asked him his age or something. He said, I feel better than I did at 18 or some, something like that. So I'm expecting <laughs> um, some uh, some larger larger than life quotes from <laughs> Patrick Beverly. Uh, tomorrow. Patrick Beverly and Russ, by the way, tomorrow, um, both on the yeah. same team. What a what a world we're living in. I beg that they get a picture of just them two in front of the, the plain white background. Uh, my <laughs> It feels like Austin Reeves is a bit mm-hmm. of cheating because I think he's. There's been stories about him Bulky. losing weight during yeah. uh, during the off season and getting into good shape. I'll throw uh, maybe Lonnie Walker out there. We haven't heard a ton about him. Maybe he comes in and says, "I'm in the best shape of my life," and everybody starts to buy into uh, him being a, a big role player this season. I it, it's a. Uh, there's a lot of stuff we probably didn't even talk about that, as you said, we never even touch on Russ and Pat Bev are going to be on the same team, which I was telling people there's no shot that's happening. And again, I was very wrong. So we will see um, how that pans out and how those two get along. I'm sure they'll be asked about that as well on, uh, 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 during media day. So it's just going to be a, a weird, fascinating bizarre media day uh today tomorrow depending on when you're listening to this monday we will have a a recap for you uh on the uh, podcast feed tomorrow i appreciate all you guys sticking with us through the summer we are we are through it we are done with it we are into the preseason we have actual basketball lakers content to talk about uh and we are Seven days away, probably, as you're listening to this, from a, a real Lakers basketball game. So we're almost there. Appreciate you guys sticking with us. Raj, thanks a ton for coming on. Uh, I will be back next week. I promise. Uh, maybe not promise. I'm almost certain I, I will have a co-host next week uh, to uh, introduce to you guys as we get this all underway. But in the meantime, be sure you subscribe to the podcast feed to uh, hear everything from preseason in the coming week, and we'll be back with you next week.